For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Badger football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by betonline.ag. Once again, I'm your host, Matt Perkins, and we have some big news here on the podcast. Uh, We loved him so much last time on the show that we decided to keep bringing him back permanently. So uh, official welcome to our new co-host, Badger legend, Matt Bernstein, the Hebrew Hammer. Matt, this is so exciting for me to have you back on the show as a permanent basis, and I can't wait to keep breaking down Wisconsin football with you, man. No, I, I am. Uh, I'm thrilled you asked me to do it. Uh, I just love. I love sharing my stories. I think they're pretty comical, and uh, I love talking Badger football with whatever insight I might have. I, I love to share that. Well, you've got plenty of insight. You are actually in Madison right now, which we are going to talk about here in just a minute. But before we get started, I want to remind you guys that we are, in fact, brought to you by our presenting sponsor, BetOnline.ag. If you are into sports betting, BetOnline is where you need to go to win money today, whether it's live bets during games, futures for who you think will win the championship, including the college football championship BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to BetOnline to start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Matt, I never asked you, Are you? Uh, do you like to throw a wager down every once in a while? I am a terrible gambler, meaning that I just know I won't win. So I just don't gamble. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I bet with my heart, not with the brain. So I bet on the Badgers. I bet on the jets, the Mets. So I would win one out of three. I'd, I'd be broke. Yeah. I, uh, I, I have a, I have a rule that I don't, I don't wager on teams that I have a vested interest in. So I will never, I will never wager on the Badgers. I will never wager on the bills, uh, you know, which are the two teams that I really care about. Uh, the Bills have broke my heart so many times in my life. I mean, you as a Jets fan, you can understand, man. Like you, you, you know all about uh, pro football heartbreak. So, yeah, when when it comes to those two teams, I will never. I, I can't do it. I, I I can't do it. So, well, today, uh, the training camps we're recording here on Friday, the sixth of August. Training camp starts today for the Badgers. Uh, Matt, you're in town. I know you'll be, uh, you know, we're, we're going to try to get you into, uh, to practice while you are there to get some boots on the ground reporting. But I want to start today by talking about just some of your training camp memories, what it was, you know, what the transition was like going from, you know, just off season workouts in the summer to training camp, what the biggest jump was not just necessarily your first training camp. Cause you talked about that on the last show, but sort of in general, especially as you move to being an upperclassman and a leader on the team, 
So what was what was the toughest part about the start of training camp for you every year? Oh man. I mean the toughest part you just that you just knew it was 18 days at the seminary, which was like right out here in Verona, Middleton. And you knew also they had no air conditioning in your room that you slept in. They didn't have doors on the bathrooms. So my first year I was with Bob Darkety, who was a tight end. And, you know, like you have no personal space there. You are sharing two twin beds or yeah, two twins with no door in the bathroom. So if anyone had to go to the bathroom, the other person had to like, you had to physically not look, you know, it's like, it was just nuts, but it was 18 days. You got the packet that gave you every single day, every hour where you were going to be. And my favorite part of that was I would cross it off. So if, if I got up for breakfast, if I got up at 6 a.m., I'd get up and cross off 6 a.m. wake up and just be like, okay, we crossed something off the list today. We have 25 more things, but we're almost to the end. <laughs> um, you know, training camp to me was, was, it was just so hard. I mean, it, this, I don't, if you know, with the seminary, it was a Catholic boys high school. So everything was there. They trucked out the weight room. They had the weight room there, the cafeteria, we watched film. So you could never get away. I mean, there was nothing 18 straight days of focusing on football without any outside distraction. It's kind of crazy. You know, I look back, like I find memories, but if I had to do that today, I think I would start crying like right now. Um, but the tr you talked about the transition. You tried to get your classes and your tests done as fast as possible in May so you can have the longest break possible, which really was only three weeks if you were lucky because we were back, I think, early June. And then we had eight weeks and the weight training those eight weeks were intense. I mean, high weight, you know, high, high reps. And then they scaled it down, competing the whole time we did. You know, we were doing upper decks, running the upper decks on Tuesdays. On Fridays, we were doing stations with weight vests. I mean, it ramps with, and um, John Detman, which I think is actually a genius, was making us wear a hat. So you're like sweating profusely in this heat, thinking that it's going to wear a helmet. The only thing is I got smart and figured out to wear like a mesh hat. So it wasn't as intense as wearing those like thick cloth ones. But, you know, the, the weight training to lead up to camp was no joke. And then, you know, you're catapulted. You had like three or four days off to go home, collect yourself, have a life, you know, see your family, see your, see whoever, see your girls, you know, whatever. And then you had to go to the seminary and report and, and be there. And I told you like the first year with Bob Doherty was terrible. And then as you become, I guess, better and you, you're a starter and you're an upperclassman, they move you. So you had to walk up two flights of stairs. It was torture to walk up those stairs during camp. And then, then you had to walk all the way down the hallway. I'm lucky because B Bernstein, I was the second door after Ryan Aiello. So I was like, this is great. I had hardly any stairs and hardly any hallway to walk down. Um, and then as you become a starter, you get your own room. My last year, I brought out a TV, an Xbox, I think like a mini fridge. Like I just brought out like everything I owned and made it as, as like nice to be there as possible. But really, like there's only so much Tiger Woods golf you can play to get your sanity back to normal. Like there's just nothing you can do. So 
I, I, I would say that. And so, A, question for you. Were you taking summer classes while you were doing the, the, the weight training in the summer, too, to sort of ease your class load, especially during the fall? So I was taking summer classes. You pretty much had to. You, I, we only took 12 credits a semester. Mm-hmm. So you pretty much had to make a class. At least I did that. That's like kind of like the normal. So I had to take two classes. I also worked at the stadium in in the maintenance area. So like I would go to work out at six in the morning. At eight o'clock, I would usually 8.30 punch in or go to class and then come back quickly at noon to punch in to work four hours at the stadium, you know, like painting and cleaning and at the end of the day, scraping gum off the floor just to make the stadium, you know, ready for everyone to come and, and watch games. So, the, you know, like the summer, the only part of the summers that were great was um, like Friday at four o'clock, we would jump in someone's car and go somewhere. You know, I went to Hudson, Wisconsin. I went to Basilica Block Party. I went to all these like fun, random things. I went to Oshkosh one year. I went to Country Fest, which I'm not a country music fan. That was interesting. You being a Nashville, I would assume you are a country uh, music I fan. I mean, not... Eh. Uh, it, it, it's country music is really hit or miss for me. You know, I, I feel like it's one of those things that like 10% of it, I'm, I really like and 90% of it. I'm like, please get this noise out of my ears because it just, it, it makes me just want to cringe and like cry. Cause I hate it so much. Dude, that is such a Westchester, New York answer. Yeah, well, I, I mean, we, 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 we've talked about, I got Westchester roots. So we, we, know, you know, we talked about this. <laughs> You know, I didn't grow up listening to country music at Me all. Neither. It just Me neither. somehow was it wasn't on the radio. It wasn't nobody really was like, oh, let's go see Garth Brooks. Like it just wasn't part of our I, I don't want to say our culture. It just I just wasn't present. So it's so weird to go, you know, like doing dip, like chewing tobacco. I never I did it a few times. It was kind of gross to me, but that's a huge culture change oh, coming yeah. to Wisconsin. And well, so that was one of the crazy things that I noticed when I was, you know, I was on the track team my freshman year and two yeah. thirds of the dudes were, were, were chewing tobacco. I'm like, what the, what the heck is going on? They're like, well, can't smoke cigarettes, obviously, but if you want to get that buzz, like, you know, you're, you're going to, you're going to throw in a lip and it's like, okay, you know, I mean, you know, to eat, to each his own, <laughs> but that is just, but you know, the reason I ask about, you know, you know, you said you're working summer jobs. So I worked at, I actually worked out in Verona or the company I worked for was, was out in Verona called General Beverage. And I worked with uh, Paul Hubbard, uh, you know, the, the wide receiver, Paul Hubbard. And we worked together. Yeah. yeah. And so we were throwing cases of liquor like all day. You know, Paul and I had the same job. We were, we were both what was called merchandisers. So we, we would drive around to these liquor stores all over southern wisconsin like we had like our territory included like we were uh, we were down in beloit we were in janesville we were in you know all sorts of you know carthage wisconsin like all these in some all a lot of these small towns as well as you know as around you know uh, around madison a lot of time like we had to spend an entire day at woodman's on the east side an entire day at woodman's on the west side because they moved so much liquor there but like we'd be out there like me and a couple of the other guys like really like to get on Paul's case about having, you know, poor hands. Like you're a great physical athlete. You can't catch a thing. So we're like throwing uh, throwing liquor bottles at him, making him catch them and stuff like that. So that was always a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, I love Paul. He was such a good guy. Oh, phenomenal, dude. Phenomenal. And also a world class yeah. triple jumper, like a world class track athlete. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think, you know, like he had a pretty good career in football, he but did. I think he could have, he did. He probably, you know, it's, that's like a, a case of like, should he possibly have done triple jump as a career? Like, I don't know. He could have, he, he had, but he had the I skills. I mean, he was a national school. champion in high school. Like he was, he was the best triple jumper in yeah. the country in high school. And which is also really weird. Cause he's a big guy. He's a, he's a bigger guy for receiver. I mean, he's, you know, I'm six three. He's a, a little taller than I am. He's like six four, and he is. Which you, a lot of triple jumpers are not that tall. And you know, he was kind of built. And so a lot of those dudes are like rail thin. Especially if you watch, if, if you watch the Olympics, if you watch the Olympics at all, like the dude who won, the Portuguese guy who won the triple jump this week, is yeah, he's probably six four, but I think he weighs about 150 or 160 pounds. And Paul was a <laughs> solid two fifteen. Yeah, he was solid. Now, if you see him now, if you're he is jacked. Really? He, on social media, I'm like, oh my God, this dude is scary. It's funny how some guys like couldn't gain weight when they were in college. Paul was probably one of them. There's a few others. And now you look at these dudes and they are just straight up like stat. Like, I don't even scary big. But I'm also like, good for you. I would never put a bar in my back again. I don't think my back could take it, but I'm proud that you could do it. Yeah. Who else? Who who are some of those other guys like that that have like stood out to you that have been able to like, you know, that, that have really like changed their bodies? Like I guess like post playing days. Post playing days. I mean, I mean Joe Thomas. Have you seen that guy? He looks like a pinup model. I know it's crazy. It, he's got abs. I, I don't think he has an ounce of fat on him. Like he's like one of the best. Look, I'm like Joe. What happened to you? You were like this. You know. Pudgy, probably the best athlete I've ever played with. Pudgy dude would eat like 20 meals. He couldn't keep weight on. Um, it's just his metabolism. And then the second he ended, he lost like 50 pounds in like overnight. It feels like offensive linemen go one of two ways. It feels like they either yeah, lose yeah. 80 pounds or gain 80 pounds. Or they after gain they finish it, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. they don't stop you know, eating, um, but they stop working out. Yes. Yes. And he, but I, you know, Mark Zalewski, who I mentioned before, he would, we would weigh in on Mondays. So I was always nervous. I was going to get yelled at every Monday because of, you know, I, I drank a lot on the weekends and then I would eat late night and I'd eat during the week. And I'm like, man, I can't be over 265 or I'm going to run or do something or get, you know, coach white's going to come down and get mad at me. Somehow these guys like knew right away. If you messed up like the weight, the, the weigh in and Zalewski would, we'd order, we, when we lived together would order two meals of Chinese food, you know, like, General Chow's with rice, with soup, with the egg roll, and eat that one. And then half an hour later, eat the second one. And I'm like, dude, this is the grossest thing I'm witnessing and had no problem eating it. And then would weigh in less than last week. And I was like, man, I hate you right now. You know, I was always holding my breath on the, on the scale. <laughs> at least at camp, Zalewski had to walk a lot farther to his room because his last name began with Z. Maybe that's why he uh, got to burn yeah. off that extra weight. <laughs> well, actually, it's funny now that you bring up camp. When we, I wouldn't weigh in. I'm like, guys, no, I'm not. But they're like, well, it's for health reasons because you know if you lose too much weight during practice, you know we we you're dehydrated and we need you know we need to have like an intervention and maybe get you a, uh, an IV or whatever. And I was like, dude, I was like, guys, you are straight up lying to me. This is the catch me being overweight and I will not weigh in every day. I just walked the guys like, come on, Bernie. And I'm like, not a chance. 
not today. I'm like, I'll weigh in right after practice. So I'd weigh in periodically when I wanted to, when I knew I'd be the, the, the lightest. So every time we'd come in from practice, I would get on the scale immediately. And he'd be like, okay, this is great, but we don't have a number to base this off. I'm like, use yesterday's number. And they're like, no, you know, and the coach is like, Bernie, you're not, you're not uh, weighing in. And I'm like, coach, I weigh in like three or four times a day. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so I, I used to fudge that because I knew it was always like a, a, a point of, you know, I was going to get in trouble. And I just, I figured out what you could push and what you couldn't. And that was one of them that I was like, I'm not stepping on that scale. You're like, you just ate lunch. I'm not stepping on the scale. I know I gained like five pounds right now. That's fantastic. So you can eat ice cream. Like I'm eating everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep the energy up. Well, let's talk about this fall's camp. So obviously the, the team last year, a little bit up and down, especially Graham Mertz. Uh, after his the opening game at Illinois, I thought we had, you know, the second coming playing quarterback. And then he obviously got COVID yep. and it was, it was tough, right? You know, he kind of struggled the rest of the year going into camp for this fall. What, who do you think are the guys that it's, it's really important to have, you know, an outstanding camp. I mean, obviously, you know, you want everyone to be on, but who's it most important for? You know, I, I, I think Graham and his wide receivers, they have to get on point They you know, they have to keep people healthy. So whatever way the training staff can do that, I don't care if it's limited practice. You know, a lot of these guys are veterans, so they don't need all the reps. I think after last year, you got to have the, the the number twos get a ton of reps. They have to, because if one, if we had, if what happened last year happens this year, we're going to have the same season. So I think the wide receivers got to step up. Danny Davis and those guys, they all got to take that next step with Graham. But I think all they've done in the off season is throw. If what I'm seeing on Graham's social media is he's working hard. So I like to see that, you know, the success he had against Illinois, I think that can be like, that's the bar he's set. And I feel just from what I see and what I hear is that he, that's like where he's holding himself up to. So wide receivers, the number two wide receivers, we need a number, we need another number two tight end. I think Ferguson's awesome, but if he gets up to it, which he will, I mean, we need another guy who could step in and do something even close to him. I mean, he's so good, but somewhere I mean, he around played, that. But that's the thing. Like, he played more than 90% of the offensive snaps last year, and that's not sustainable for a skill position player. Right. No, it's not. So, you know, I, right. So they, we need a backup tight end. We need someone who could take some of his reps. Um you know, we always had a, we always had like uh, like Owen Daniels, but then when we were running the ball, we always threw in Jason Posiak because he was the best blocking tight end. So, and you knew we were going to run, but who cares? Like, too bad we're going to run. And then if we had OD in, you know, in twelve personnel, um, you know, one back and two tight ends, then you had no idea what we we're going to do. And OD can go in motion. He was so good, but towards the end of his career, I mean, he was unstoppable. Um, so. You know, I think those guys need to step up. And I definitely think, you know, Jalen Berger will have a big year, but I don't know who's next. I know we recruited a bunch of guys. I think they need to solidify like a number two and make sure that you can't, uh, once again, in the Big Ten, the way we play football, Jalen Berger cannot take 100% of the snaps. Well, no. He didn't even do 90. No, I mean, e even... Jonathan Taylor didn't take 90% of the snaps. He, right. he, even he was spelled. And 
I think that's why they brought in the transfer Ches Malusi from Clemson. And I think that he is someone that is going to be, because he has that veteran experience, right? He's played two years at Clemson and he's proven that, I mean, you can play at Clemson, like, you know, you're pretty good. I mean, he was behind a first round running back in CJ Spiller for two years. And I think that it's, I'm ex- one of the things that I'm most excited about this season is that Paul Chris is back to calling plays. He didn't call plays last season and Joe Rudolph is, you know, a seems like a great guy, a great coach, a an outstanding recruiter. But I think that some people think his play calling was a little suspect last season. And we know that when Paul Chris is calling plays, the offense is special. And one of the things that really got to me, one of the things that I loved that Wisconsin would do, and I think that when they were their most successful, they would come out in one formation and then all of a sudden the, the quarterback or someone would see something and they would completely, completely flip, completely go from having, you know, it, they could be in 12 personnel, but they could stack the tight ends on both sides or then split them, have the, you know, move back to shotgun. You stack the wide receivers on one side, that kind of thing pre-snap that would always confuse the defense and give the Badgers the upper hand. And I think that Paul Chris utilized that a ton whereas Joe Rudolph really did not. And so I think it's that not just pre-snap motion, but changing the formation pre-snap is something that I hope that we see a lot more this season. Yeah, I think Coach Chris does probably one of the best jobs from most of the coaches I've ever played with or been coached by at pre-snap confusion on the defense. Because, like, I'll watch and I'll be like, oh, man, last play, and then they shift, and then they motion. Um, and it's very confusing. Like if you're on the defense, you think you're prepared for this, but you're constantly looking, you're constantly checking, you know, it's, it's a constant annoyance. It, and if you think about it from the defensive point of view, you got a game plan for that. That is, you know, it changes everything. You know, I said last week, you know, even just the fullback motion was hard for me to understand. So think about that. I'm the fullback doing the motion, having a hard time changes every play we could run. So like if I'm in, if I start on the left side and then motion to the right, you have to switch in your brain what can come backside. You have to switch in your brain what can come front play side. You know, so there's a lot of now mental thinking as a linebacker, as and as defensive linemen, your hands are down. So you don't even know what's going on. So there's a lot of um pre-snap confusion. I love Coach Chris about that. I'm excited. You know, I think it slows the game down to bring it to our game. You know, if we're playing an explosive game. We're going, we're going to spend 30 seconds pretty much to get a playoff every time. And I like that. You know, it's kind of a, I would say it's our football. It's a little bit boring, but it's our game plan. So I don't I, think it's boring. I think, I think it's wonderful. And also it gives the defense a chance to, to get a, you know, to get a little bit of an extra rest on the sideline, right? If you're right. going, if you're going air raid and you go three and out and you've taken 20 seconds off the game clock, you know, your, your, your defense ain't going to be too happy about that. Right. And you're, you're keeping your defense on for too long during a game. You watch every game. If the defense is on a long, it's obviously very bad. Um, and you're giving the other offense who's probably hot and excited and pumped that the defense just did a three and out. And, and usually you have your, I don't know how this is, but your offensive guys are, I don't want to say in better condition, but they're just, it's like a different conditioning. Isn't well, because it, I, I, I think, it, <laughs> I think part of it has to do with, you know, one, one of the things you talked about when you've got those, pre-snap shifts, right? They're not just playing. They have to think and that extra quarter of a second, half second that they have to think gives the offense the leg up. And it's a lot easier 
when you know exactly where you're going to go and who you're going to block or, you know, what what route you're going to run where is in the as opposed to, OK, I have to think and react and try to sort of make up that extra quarter second, half second of time. You exert a lot more energy. And as you go play, you know, down to down, series to series that, you know, you sort of get spent by the end. And another thing I'm really interested to see what happens with Coach Chris is he's really good at knowing the skill guys, like what their their best positives are and putting them in the best positions. Like Brady Ewing was put, he like would he would start out, he'd come in, he'd play some slot. Like he was all over the place. He's like one of my favorite guys in general, but he was a fullback who did 300 other things. To prepare for this guy to not just be a fullback, but to play out here. They threw him the ball. You know, if you have an OD type who can actually block, but he doesn't need to do that much blocking, but he can do it. His senior year, you couldn't defend him because he could run a route better than any tight end. He was physical. He was strong. He was a big dude. He could block. So you had no idea what was going to happen. You know, Jason Posiak was a great blocker, but he wasn't as great a route run. So you, so you have like the, you know, the pros and cons of, of people. And I think coach Chris just knows, and he can put people in the best position through shifts, through motions to be successful. And I, I would look out if you wanted to see what happens in the first game, let's just see where people line up and where they shift to. And, and I'm just excited for all of that. And when he calls the plays, it's definitely a little bit more exciting. I love Joe Rudolph, but I think coach, coach Chris, grew up calling plays. He was calling plays when I was playing and we were scoring a lot more points than, you know, the power eye and the power running and and all that. Not saying that's a Joe Rudolph game, but you know, coach Chris can mix in a lot of shotgun. I think we're just going to be very, I think we're going to be more potent on offense this year. And then on defense, I I don't ever worry about that. And I also think as having coach Rudolph, you know, he's the offensive line coach and the offensive line is so integral to everything that Wisconsin does. When Joe Rudolph has to spend time calling plays, worrying about all the position groups, he's spending less time with the offensive line. And I think we saw them, you know, I I think there were some communication errors last year. And, you know, obviously part of that is having, you know, they didn't have Tyler Biotis for the first time in in, in three years, who's an outstanding center. And we know how important that is on the offensive line to have a center who can sort of make all the calls. But I felt like they didn't, they just weren't quite as cohesive as a group as they have been in the past. And having, having Joe Rudolph back, just focusing literally on the offensive line. And that's it. I think it's going to be, a boon for not just them, but the entire offense. I, I would, I completely agree. You want, you know, I hope Joe Rudolph doesn't take this as like a, like a, I don't, I don't like a slight, like I completely agree with you. When the O-line comes off, he can focus on those guys. There's five of them. Like that's a lot of, and some of those guys line up in random positions too. Some are tight, tight ends. Some, so you really need to be conscious of everything they're doing. And when he gets stuff radioed down from the headset, he needs to react on that. And I think it'll only make our team better when he can focus on the on the O line. And because he's a great coach, like let's not take anything away. Oh from no, him. I, yeah, he he is. He's a fantastic coach, and the guys play so well for him. But when he can coach during a game, you know, we'd come off the sidelines, and um, Coach Huber would be there. You know, he's huffing and puffing. He was a, a loud. You know, he'd coach you in your face. But you knew what you knew everything. Like you just who's gonna get you right. He might use some some you know colorful language, but 
he would get his point across and you could, you know, take that and digest it and then go out and, and play better. Um, but it's always funny to see on the sidelines, you know, you always have like, I think I, I think a long time ago, I'm just trying to think like uh, somebody was coming off the field, like Ed Hughes was going crazy. And he's like, this dude is just like, shut the up. And, you know, Hughes just kind of took a, took a step back and like, let him just walk off the field and sit down, you know, cause you know, you also know when you make a mistake, like it's, it's really obvious you've been training, you know, since camp or on this. And when you make a mistake, you didn't want to do it. It's not like you like, you know, plan to make a mistake. So you knew what, when you made like a, a mistake, when you came out the field, you were going to, you were going to hear it. But I think the X's and O's is something that Rudolph can help the O-line with. So if you make a mistake in the game, it won't happen again. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm curious to see how they sort of, you know, reconfigure the line. They've said Tyler Beach is going to move over to left tackle, at least. And he was a right tackle last year. Bruss is kicking back out to tackle from right guard. And it sounds like Jack Nelson, the redshirt freshman, is going to be starting at one of the guard positions. But I'm, you know, they've had such an infusion of talent on the offensive line that, you know, it is the signature Wisconsin position along with running back. And I'm just excited to see what happens there. But we're going to move on now. And uh, one of the things that we wanted to talk about was uh, over the last couple weeks, I came out with my uh, all 21st century Badger teams. And this is a fun exercise in the summer to do. I'm, you know, I fancy myself somewhat of a, a college football historian. I love the history of the sport. I love the history of the game. I love the history of Wisconsin football. And so I wanted to, you know, I, I wasn't going to do an all-time team. I wasn't around to watch Alan Amici in the 50s. But I've watched every Badger football game since 2000. So I, you know, I, I feel like I have a decent handle. But I wanted your input as someone who played with a lot of the guys that I brought up on the list. So we're going to quickly go through um, the different position groups. And I want your thoughts on, on, on these guys. And especially want to know where you disagree with me. Um, sure. and we're going to start in the backfield. <laughs> so basically my criteria was they had to play the position. So no Ryan Ramchick because he only played left tackle for Wisconsin. He didn't play right tackle for Wisconsin, even though he's been a right tackle in the league, he played left tackle at Wisconsin. And I have to compare it to Joe Thomas and I'm sorry, but Joe Thomas is the greatest offensive lineman, you know, that I've ever seen alongside Jonathan Ogden and Orlando Pace, you know, th- those three guys are the three greatest offensive linemen I've ever seen play. So Ramchick, you're amazing, but you're not, you never play white right tackle at Wisconsin. So, <laughs> but that guy is so good. Nonetheless, but, he's so good. Oh, he's but, amazing. He's the best right tackle yeah, in the right. NFL right now. But by far, but you know, what's crazy is Joe Thomas, if he played on any other team, he would be, he would be, he's like the Tom Brady of, and I hate Tom Brady, but he's the Tom Brady of left tackles. He went 10 seasons in a row, 10 pro bowls. Like that's unheard of. Didn't miss a snap. Didn't miss a snap. And then he got hurt at the end, but he never went to the playoffs either. So imagine what he would have done if he played on a Patriots team. He would be known as the, and he is known as the best lineman. I mean, I'm, I'm also really jaded because I'm obsessed with him. But he's the best lineman to ever play football, I think, at Wisconsin. And I think everyone who would, would say that. I bet, I bet you Ryan would say that. I bet you Gabe Karimi would say that. I mean, it's impossible to say that he isn't. And then you go into the NFL and there's no chance. But I think Ryan is unbelievable and I couldn't be more happy for him. But yes, if you compare, it sucks because that guy is so good. He'd be known as probably the best left tackle if it wasn't for 
Yeah, he's probably, you know, at <laughs> at 90 to 95% of the programs in the country, he's probably the best left tackle that's ever played, talent-wise. Yes, but at Wisconsin, right. like, he's fighting hard for, like, <laughs> third. Yeah. So it's unbelievable, isn't it? So we're going to start in the backfield. Um, Russell Wilson he played only one season, but Russell Wilson was so unbelievable in one season that as much as I love John Stocko, who was my second teamer, just he, he, he that was that was transcendent. That, that that's the only word I can I can think of to use for that one magical season was transcendent because that's what he was. Yeah, I mean you you we watched greatness like at for one season. You really look what he's done in the NFL. I mean, and it doesn't that doesn't matter really when you're talking about strictly Wisconsin, but sometimes it does. And you know, for what that guy and he's not a tall dude. He was playing for what they were able to do with him for one year. And what he showed Wisconsin players was something and his leadership. Like he came, he was there for one year and he was the leader of the Wisconsin football team. It's not easy to do. He enrolled in June and was elected captain in August. Think about all. I mean, to me, that's just, that's special by itself. That's what told me that he was going to be like, when when I read that, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, and, and I, and what I love about Graham Mertz is that they look alike a little bit, you know, like the, they can get out of the pocket. He can make people miss Russell Wilson was like a triple threat. Like he was this, I just love watching him. I I wish I might have to go back and rewatch that season just to rewatch that team was good too, though, Like they had a lot of good guys as well, but it was so fun to watch that guy. So yeah, Russell Wilson, number one, my second teamer might be Brooks Bollinger just because Mm. I mean, I absolutely loved him. Leadership skills were just the same. Um, he was also like a really good friend. We've had a lot of absurd conversations, a lot of fun times in in uh, in establishments, if I could say that, in bars in Wisconsin. Um, I'll tell you a funny quick Brooks Bollinger story. Just one random funny. We would go to Bull Feathers every so often when we could on a Friday after class. So Friday after class was at what, like three to six, seven o'clock? FAC, baby. Ain't nothing like it. FAC. But the problem was, and the coaches knew this, we had stations every single week on Friday at four o'clock. So by the time, and stations were hard. So by the time you were done, it was like 5.30, showered. I don't, they didn't feed us in the off season. So by the time you showered, it was like 5.30. By the time you even made it, if you went to FAC, people were so drunk. You're like, this is a waste of my time. Like, I don't even know. But one, I don't know how this happened, but one time I was young. I should not have been at the bar, but I was, it was great. And we're at Bow Feathers. And I can't remember if it was me or somebody else who snuck in a funnel and Bow Feathers was so packed that you couldn't see anything shoulder down. So we would, um, like when we would do a funnel, we would sit down on the floor and do it. So people would hold it at their shoulder. So, you, you know, you didn't hold it in the air and, a red funnel. So I was like, Brooks, you got to do this funnel. And Brooks for like an hour is like, no way. And I'm like, dude, you just watched half the football team do it. You got to do it. So we had Brooks Bollinger on a knee in bull feathers doing a funnel. And I was like, man, this is so college. Like, this is so exciting. Brooks Bollinger is the leader of our team. He's been, you know, he's a Rose Bowl champ. He's been the leader for four years is doing, you know, a, a, a funnel at bull feathers for FAC. The only time I think we are like, <laughs> to get there 
But I love that guy. So he would be my number two, I think. That's great. One of the things I loved about both feathers was they had the uh, they had the stump that you would knock the nails in with the hammer that was on the chain. Good times. Yeah. I mean, they had two dollar pitchers. So yeah. Was, I mean, that was my favorite. You, you can't <laughs> go wrong there. All right. <laughs> Running backs. Jonathan Taylor, Melvin Gordon. This is the toughest choice. Sorry, Monty. Uh, sorry, Anthony Davis. My, the, you know, the other two guys that I would have liked to have thrown in there. Uh, you know, shout out to PJ Hill. Shout out to John Clay. But you yeah. know, I mean, Jonathan Taylor has the fifth most rushing yards in college football history and only played three seasons. Is uh, just athletically was on a different level. And Melvin's has the second most yards in a single season and. His game against Nebraska, 406 so yards cool. in three quarters is, uh, that was probably the most impressive performance I've ever, like individual performance I've ever seen on a football, uh, for a Wisconsin player on a football field. Ever. I, you, I mean, there's no arguing that. Everyone that you mentioned is was fantastic for the Badgers, but those guys were 100% at different level. Oh, 100%. Like, you know, Ron Dane's probably king of the hill, but I would say Jonathan Towers right behind him and Melvin Gordon's right there too. Yeah, if Taylor plays one more season, I think he's over Dane. Because I think if he plays one more, well, it would have been tough as 2020 season was was shortened. But mm-hmm. even if he gets one more full season, a he has the college re- he has the college rushing record by over a thousand yards. I mean, he's a couple hundred yards behind. I think it's Donnell Pumphrey who has the record, and um, you know, and and I I don't I I think he's just you know Ron so Ron Dane had the best line I think ever assembled. So uh, you do Gibson have to- G- Gibson was one of the oh largest God. human beings I've ever seen. And he was a monster. You know, you those guys were good. And and I even talk to him now and they're just so they're the nicest dudes but they were bad. Like they were bad on the field. You know, it's so fun to like meet people afterwards and and just you know talk to them. I don't know whether you think like they're maybe such like hard-nosed bad dudes now and they're just like yeah my daughter's this my kid's this i'm going fishing i'm like wow man this is so not the way i thought this conversation was gonna happen but ron dane had, but ron dane was still no matter what athleticism speed for uh for his size and what he did to people was just silly i mean he abused people i mean third and ten was a running down third and ten was a running down and he would get the first down. I know <laughs> he broke twelve tackles, so that means everyone had a shot, and somebody had two shots. Yep. Like we used to, we used to mess with Coach White, and not really to like kill some time. We'd be like, hey, Coach White, man, throwing a Ron Dane highlight tape. Let's just watch him for a little bit, and he would, you know, Coach White be like, Birdie, we got practice. We're watching the blitz, you know, segment. And we're like, dude, what about how good you coach Ron Dane? <laughs> and then he'd be like, all right, all right, quickly, let's watch it. So we watched Ron Dane. <laughs> clips in practice that's so good it's a lot messing with them um but yeah but ron dane is not part of the 21st century so yeah he kind of doesn't count yeah he doesn't i would count. agree those guys were awesome listen i love th- this is not a point of my contention i i think you did a good job you picked me i could probably pick like you know it's hard to pick me but well i was a- gonna so i i picked you for a couple reasons a uh you uh your game against penn state is the best game i've seen a fullback play at wisconsin oh, thank um you. and you were versatile. You could block, you could run the ball, you could catch the ball out of the backfield. And I just thought you embodied a Wisconsin fullback. You know, if, if I wasn't going to pick you, I mean, it was tough. Derek Watt was really good. Uh, Alec Ingold is, I, I think Alec Ingold was just as versatile as you mm-hmm. were. I think that he was probably 
be he was probably my second team guy. If but if you were going to pick another fullback, who would you pick? You know, Cecil Martin's not part of this century. So I I mean I loved him. I real you know Chris Presley if he played more and didn't get hurt and he I think he was had a, a he was there. He's one of the strongest human beings ever to play at Wisconsin. He broke Gibson's squat record. That's you know that's pretty impressive. I would say Brady Ewing would be on that list. Oh okay. I really liked watching him play. I thought he was super physical and super athletic. But I would say Ingold, you know, Ingold played Badger football. Like all these guys did, you know, Derek Watt did. He was such a nice dude also. But, you know, Ingold, I actually would think Ingold is much more athletic. Wasn't he a quarterback? He was a high school quarterback, yeah. He's a high school quarterback. I think he's much more athletic than I am. I think I was probably, you know, like if you gave – um if you rated someone in Madden, like their physicalness, I would say mine would be like 99. He might be like 89, you know, like he's still way up there, but you know, I think the football that I played was like downhill. Like I want to hit you hard, Like I'm not missing the opportunity to hit somebody on a play. And I'm not saying any of these guys were, I think they were used differently. You know, like where we were running power and ISOs and, you know, pretty much sometimes not misdirection, just straight downhill. I think Ingold played just a different game, but nonetheless, like he had some, he had some hits that were, I, I in practice that were like just ruthless. And, I, and I'd be pumped at watching him at practice, just crush dudes. One of the things I love about Wisconsin football is they still use a fullback. So many teams don't use fullbacks anymore. And I think that actually make, I think that's an advantage for Wisconsin, you know, because you're, most defenses are not ready for a fullback. Heck, when they pull out the barge formation, like I get giddy when I see them bring out two tight ends, two fullbacks, and a tailback. Like that makes me excited as as, yeah. as, a, as a fan of the game. You know, they call it the barge formation, and like I know that like they are just about to you know run the ball down someone's throat and smash yeah. it, and there's going to be some big collisions. And I just, I mean, what other schools are carrying three fullbacks on three or four fullbacks on their roster? <laughs> not a lot. They're not. And you know what? These guys come in as athletes. You know, Alec Ingold was a quarterback, a high school quarterback. You find a position that suits. And that's another thing I really like about Rudolph and Coach Chris and the offensive guys that they could see that in you. Like, I think that, you know, I was a fullback, but I ran. I never blocked anybody. But they figured, you know, like they were like, well, he's big enough and he could do it or whatever their thought process was. And it worked out really well. And I think they do that for these guys come in and they're, you know, um, who are the brothers from last year? Isn't one of them still playing this year? Oh, Chanel. Yeah, the, the Chanel brothers. They're both playing. One of them is an inside linebacker, and the other one's a starting fullback. Dude, those that those kids are... John so, and Leo. So jacked. Leo, as a freshman, wrecked 45, 45, 225 pounds. 225 pounds, 45 times as a freshman. I mean... What are they doing? Where are these kids coming? Like what water? You, you know exactly where they're coming from. It's backwoods, Wisconsin. Those kids are farm strong. And are, yeah. Yeah. And, I and love them. I mean, I love them. I they're love the definition them. of like your your classic corn fed Wisconsin dudes who yeah. are from, you know, middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, tiny towns playing and just, you know, but they because they've always been the best athletes where they grew up, they have the verse like they were probably playing quarterback. They were playing tailback. Mm-hmm. They right. were playing, you know, basically like a star position on defense where they just got to rove around and play football. Yes. Those dudes are amazing. Um, and you know what? With all the stuff we were talking about before with the motioning and and the personnel and you never know what's going to happen. And if you have a fullback like Brady Ewing or like an Ingold, 
who can line up in a lot of different positions. You know, I think I actually think um, Brady Ewing was like an H back most of the time. And so like, imagine that that guy's so athletic. He could line up as a fullback. He could line up as an H back. He could probably line up as a tight end. He can line up as a wide receiver and he can do all the same things. Maybe not as well as a wide receiver, but he can do those things. How do you prepare for that? I think like, that's what's going to, there's a true freshman, Jackson Acker, who is from, who's from Verona, actually, I think. And he set the state discus record, but he he's coming in as a quote unquote tailback, but he's your size, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's how they're going to use him. I, I really, I, I think he's going to be a guy that they line up at tailback, at fullback, at H back in the slot and just find a way to get him the ball. And he, I think, I think he's going to be really, really good. But speaking of tight ends and H backs and wide receivers, let's move on to, to those guys. Wide receiver, uh, I think Lee Evans is the best ever. I think he's the best ever to play at Wisconsin. Well, in him and Chris Chambers, Chris Chambers, though, last century again. And then Jared Aberderis, his combination of production and versatility. And he was a great returner as well. I wasn't trying to factor that in. Yeah. He was a really good returner. And I don't know if there was if there's been anyone who was a better root runner than Aberderis. And he had hands, man. He had hands. He would catch if it was near him, he would catch it. And he's another one of those kids, high school quarterback. That yeah. was just the best athlete in his town, and they found a way to utilize him on on the field. I mean, I, I Lee Evans just steals the cake for it. He's, I mean, you're talking about pr- probably the most special. You know, I'm, I think I'm lucky. I played with him. I played with you know Joe Thomas. I played with Owen. You played with some of these guys who were more special than like the norm for any you know five to ten years. And so it's funny we were we were up at the stadium watching Lee Evans pro day and he dropped a pass and we were like, yo, did you see that? And some of the NFL guys were standing around us and they're like, what do you guys see? What are you, what are you talking about? We're like, I'm like, Lee Evans just dropped a pass. I've never seen him drop a pass in my entire life. And the guy's like, yeah, right. I'm like, guys were there like, no, no, no. We've never seen Lee drop a pass in practice, like joking around. He had like Fitzgerald hands, like Larry Fitzgerald, like unbelievable. And you knew he, we were going to throw him the ball 20 times a game or 10 times a game because we ran a lot. And you still couldn't cover him. No matter what you did, you couldn't cover the guy. They put their best. They put Ohio State, you know, is like the prime example. In 03, didn't matter if Shabert was like the third string quarterback. That dude did a route that would make anyone, Daryl Revis, fight. I mean, because they put Chris Gamble on him. And Chris Gamble was probably the best quarterback in the country at right. that time. And he was still you burning him. Stop. You, you couldn't stop him. No and as a Buffalo Bills fan, him. when they drafted him, I lost my mind. I was I was like over the moon. I was yeah. like, I, I went out and immediately bought a Lee Evans jersey. I still have it. Every time I go to a Bills game, I'm still wearing my Lee Evans jersey. Well, I wear my Brooks Bollinger Jets jersey. So, but you, as a, as a, um, as a Bills fan, you got, you had, didn't Jimmy Leonard play there for a little bit? Jimmy Leonard played there for a while. Craig Urban Craig played Urban. there. Yeah. Yep. So a yeah, lot of good guys. we've had, we've had a few, we've had a few Badgers around it. you know, it must be nice to be a, a Badger Steeler fan right now. You get two Watts and Isaiah Loudermilk. Yeah. It must be really nice. Yeah, <laughs> it must be really nice. But I actually love that you put Travis Beckham here. Cause I actually think he was a stud at tight ends, but Owen Daniels to me was, you know, as a, as a more of a route guy, but then look at his pro career was 10 plus years and mm-hmm. he won a Super Bowl. Yeah. And, and yeah, he came I'm, in as a quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Again, and Beckham, Beckham came in as an outside linebacker. 
Yeah, I know. He was Beckham was a he was a very he was a hard hitter. He was a very hard hitter. And I love that when he switched, I was like, man, I know this kid can hit. So he can definitely, as long as he can learn the plays, like he's gonna be awesome. Yeah. And Beckham Beckham was such a smooth athlete. You know, he was a hard hitter, but he was, he was so, you know, if he caught the ball, he could move like a wide receiver after he caught the ball. Yeah. He was a great football player. Yeah. He really was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so let's move on to the offensive line, the uh, the cream of the crop. Obviously, Joe Thomas. I think we we've there's been enough ink spilled, and we've talked enough about how how phenomenal Joe was. Uh, I, my two and my the right tackle I threw, threw out there was Rob Havenstein. Um, you know, four year starter, and been a lot of good, lot of good right tackles at Wisconsin. But I think that Rob's consistency, and then you know he's you know he I thought it was funny. Like at like the I think at the combine he put up he benched like two twenty five like thirteen times or something it was like nothing but he was so good at using his mass to mm-hmm. not just move guys in the run game but he was surprisingly nimble on his feet and he was rock solid you never had to worry about him you know it's so so interesting like the two twenty five benchmark everyone thinks is like so important and then you go and you like look at some dudes who do like ten fifteen it's not important like it I mean it it, it says something. You know, it's like it's like now on the common app. If you get have like a fifteen hundred in your SATs, okay, cool, you're really smart. But then there's a next student next to you who's like, I'm just not going to put it. Like, so it really doesn't matter. Um, at least that's what I think. But you know, you my have- thing about the bench has always been like, when are you? When in a football game are you lying flat on your back and pushing straight up? Like, it's not a, right. it's not really, it's not really a movement that no. you know. I, I've been much more interested in how much someone can like clean. Um, than yeah, I am in how much and, they can bend. Right. And Joe Thomas could clean. You know, but Joe Thomas also had these long arms. Mm-hmm. You know how hard it is to bench when yes. you have long arms? It's yes, impossible. I do. I have long arms. It, it's yeah. very difficult. It's very difficult. So, yeah, so, so you know, I didn't, I don't, that, right. I, what you're saying, it doesn't matter. Like Al Johnson, one of the best centers, probably maybe second, third team, didn't bench a lot either. He wasn't a strong dude, but look at how well he's, he was one of the best centers we've ever had. Same with um, Donovan Rayola was a strong dude, but I don't think he could do 30 plus reps on. And so like you have a lot of guys who aren't going to do that. So like that shouldn't be the benchmark as, but, but uh, it's great to see guys who can do like 15 and then just crush football all day. I mean, if you're a coach, you'd much rather have that. Yeah, absolutely. Got some meathead who could do 50 reps or dude who can block you know and never lets up a sack yeah because yeah, because that because <laughs> the dude who knows how to block knows how to use leverage and knows how to position his body which right. you know no matter how strong you are if you're not in the right position it's you're going to be easy to get by uh interior of the line uh my guards kevin zeitler dan benning uh dan benning was a great one i love dan benning and i yeah. think he's kind of forgotten by a lot of badger fans and w- 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 which makes it a little sad because he was he was a beast well, the problem is you have every year you have good linemen, so it's it's hard. I feel like this might be the hardest one for anyone to choose. It is. It absolutely just is. say like, what about this guy? What about this guy? Um, you had both. The, you had Ben Johnson. You had Al Johnson. I mean, you had guys who were killed. Um, ben Johnson was a scary dude. I did his homework for a while. I was like, man, I'm not messing with this guy. But then he, you know he became a good friend, and I was like, this is so weird. You know, that's what's so cool. Like. You know, Ben Johnson, I don't even remember. He's from like somewhere in Wisconsin, wasn't he? I don't remember. I don't know, but they were cousins. 
I was like, man, I'm, and same with Dan Benny. I'm like, I have nothing in common with these dudes. I'll never be friends with them. And two years later, you know, I'm like a Jewish kid from New York. Like I don't hunt. I have, I don't fish that much. I don't really do anything. And I became great friends with all these guys. And uh, I've never been happier. Like Dan Benning deserves to be on the list. Like he was a hard worker. He was a bad, bad dude. Nice guy off the field, but a bad dude on. But it's it's so interesting. Like I feel like the guards in the center would be impossible to. Yeah, I mean, Zyler for me, uh, or sorry, Travis Frederick for me uh, as a center was wasn't like. I mean, obviously, like Biotish was great. Dan Volz was great, but yeah, I, I, I yeah. feel like I feel like Travis was, ju- you know. Not like a super clear, but pretty clear cut above yeah. everyone else. Yeah. And Rayola, mm-hmm. Al Thompson, once again, those guys could be on that list. You have a lot of people. Yeah. Which is good. That means that yeah. we're doing the right things at Wisconsin. I mean, I, I I made up second teams too. I didn't do any graphics for them, but I think the Wisconsin second team offensive line is better than most schools' first team offensive line. So uh flipping over to the defense, uh defensive line, JJ Watt, duh. So this is where I had this is where I had my one. I don't Erasmus James, I feel like I know, I know. How did he not make it? Erasmus on my second team. I just, I don't know. I love O'Brien Schofield, man. Like O'Brien Schofield was like, he was so productive and played like Erasmus sort of had like one season where he popped and OB had three seasons where he was really good. I would say like Erasmus definitely had the highest peak, definitely had a higher peak, but I'll take OB's, you know, I'll, I'll take OB's consistency, but it's, you, you, I'll, go, I'll, I'll go with that. I'll you're go splitting with, hairs, like that. but you're splitting hairs, true, right? Like, true. And, and um, O'Brien was just always had a big smile on his face, which is so like not normal for like football, but yeah, he, he was good, man. He seems like a dude you'd want to just be around. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then on the inside, Antosh Hoshlorn, Wendell Bryant. Um, I mean, there's so many good interior guys, but those guys were special. Antosh was like just such, you, he came in. He never lifted a weight in his life before college. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what? You're you're like a consensus all American. You're one of the best. He's like one of the highest rated guys. I think Wisconsin has almost ever gotten. He never touched a weight. I'm, and he never conditioned. He never did anything. And the second he started doing this stuff, was like, he just be, and he was a. He was like one of my favorite people to hang out with. He still is. You guys are roommates, right? We were roommates before we, before, because they put all the East Coast people together. So it was me, him, and Johnny Sylvain from Jersey. And, you know, just, just a bad dude, like would talk a lot of smack, would just mess with people on the field and then back it up. Like he'd be like, I'm going to sack this dude. These guys have no, they can't stop me. And he would just do it. And you're like, he, he reminds me like him and Wendell Bryant together remind me of like the 30 for 30 of like the you, mm. you know, it's like they yeah. talked a lot of smack and they backed it up and they, they were like that line. I think the Oh four defensive line might've uh, what might've been the best all around. You had um JJ. Uh, oh my God. I'm blanking on his name. He played in the pros forever. You had Erasmus James and then Antage. you had Jonathan Welsh and Anton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these guys were great. Yeah, they were fantastic. Um, yeah, I think Keanu Benton on the team right now has a chance to break into that, though. I think he's a special talent. Um, his freshman year was amazing. I think he is going to become. I think he's he has first team All Big Ten potential. Because one of the things I like about him, he was a state champion wrestler in high school, and I think a lot of those dudes who are wrestlers 
you know, a they are like they have a, a, a they're just wired a little bit differently. Like my my roommate in college was was a wrestler on the wrestling team for for Barry Davis. I don't know if you hung out with any of those wrestlers at all. They're just they're a little off, man. They're a little bit off, and in a good way for being on the football field or on the wrestling mat. But they're a little bit off, and. You know, I, I think that uh, especially as a defensive lineman, you need to have, sort of have that that mindset. Like there is, you know, there is no chill whatsoever on the field, and I think <laughs> yeah. that Keanu sort of has that as well. And I think that he really has a chance because he has the body for it, and I think he's got the mindset. And I think if he really puts it all together, he's got a chance to, you know, be as good as those dudes. Um, the, first off, the wrestlers are bananas. The hockey dudes, bananas. I mean, you just knew like when you were around too many of, you know, too many of one team, you knew it was going to be a crazy night. Too many hockey guys. I'm like, oh man, this is going to go downhill quick. Too many wrestlers. You just knew that it was going to be bananas. Well, you knew someone was getting in a fight if you're around the wrestlers. Like, <laughs> I, I guess I didn't say it, but you know, but the same with football guys. But the problem is like, what is three guys going to do against a, a full football team in the bar? You know, like we, there was never not a, a bar where like 20 guys weren't at. So, and that's another thing I loved about being at, you know, at school, any bar I went to, there was at least 10 football players. So I had 10 friends everywhere I went. And one of the things though, I, I always think it's funny, like just as a general rule of thumb, never pick a fight with someone who has cauliflower ear. Ne never. Never. Like never. you're going to lose. I don't care if you're twice their size, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. That dude sacrificed his ears for a sport and he was probably really good at it. You never see guys with cauliflower ears who are like scrubs. At least I'd have never. So I back. I would stay away. I didn't like fighting in college anyway because I'm like, I'm the only one who's going to get in trouble. Even if I lose, if I got my ass kicked, I'm going to go to to jail. And so I was like, I'm just never going to do it. But you, you know, I always put up like a nice front. You know, like if if someone was messing with Antaj, I'd like come in and bump him and be like, "Oh, dude, I'm so sorry. Don't mess with this guy." You know, there's like twenty. I'm like, "Do you see? There's twenty other guys around. Like, what are you doing?" I was trying to always try to be like the voice of reason. I don't know if that's true or not, but I th I thought I did. You know, I, I like I like to drink some beers and mess with people also here and there. But I always thought fighting ruined the night. Oh, you know, it does. It's it's the worst. It's the, the worst. Linebackers, oh, man, another stack position. But another one I, I I actually would put, and and yes, it was a bright shine for a while, but Alex Lewis. Ooh, yeah, he was he, amazing. He really was good. He he they ended up putting him down like a down defense. Yeah, he, he was sort of like a hybrid almost, like defensive. He had five end. sacks against Purdue. Yeah. In 03. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I, I, that's one. I mean, I mean, how do you not have TJ Watt? Borland was phenomenal. I love TJ Edwards. Like he was like one of my, favorites. you know what he was another one of those high school quarterbacks, just the best athlete on his go. high school team who just there comes in and plugs in, does a redshirt year and then's a four year starter because he's smart and knows how to play yep. football. You know, Casillas, oh. he was awesome. But you have Deandre Levy was fantastic too. So I, the problem is like, I would say O-line and linebackers are yes. probably the hardest absolutely to do because there's so many good ones. Those were the two hardest groups for me by far, by far. Yeah. And then you always, and then you have, uh, you know, had Sitchi. I know he wasn't there, but that group. Schobert, guy was, awesome. was a guy that was tough to Schobert leave off. Schobert was awesome. Yep. Yeah. I mean, even Chris Orr, like, was. I, one of my favorite dudes ever. He's, 
he was so nice. Chris Orr has always awesome. been like a dream guest of mine to get on the show because he's just someone I think that has stories and will talk and is gregarious yeah. and is just, he comes from a football family. Like he does. Like, I think he, he has like two yeah. or three brothers who played in the pros as well as him. You know, I know Jonathan, yeah. his brother played for the Ravens for a long time. His dad was their high school coach. Like they are just a, like, and I love a sweetheart. The, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, I mean, that, and he's a sweetheart. So, uh, DBs, Jamar Fletcher and Nick Nelson on the outside. Nick Nelson was a one-year wonder, but his one year, again, was almost better than any corner I saw I besides might, Jamar. I might, yeah, I mean, I might have put uh, Scott Starks. Yep, that was the other guy. Again, he that was, was the awesome. other guy. Yeah, but Jimmy Leonard, I mean, uh, Duh. probably nobody like him. Dakota Dixon was phenomenal. Dakota Dixon was great. Uh, I thought about Roger Rogers. He was another really good one, yeah. I thought about Roger Rogers a lot. There's so many dudes like you could constantly, we could throw out names. Nachel Jamerson was, you know, what's hard for you is you had to pick up. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then finally specialist, Rafael Gaglianone uh, as a kicker. I mean, I always had to think of specialists. I could care less about them. Like they did three things and like all you had to do was kick the football. But I think Talon Melhoff was one of them. Mm, Yeah. I mean, he's a special teams coach now. He's a special because you have, if you have a guy, I'll always say this. If you have a guy who can kick the ball, every time out of the end zone, he's the best guy on your team because there is no opportunity for um, what's his name, like a Gil Reith to return that killed Ohio state that that was at 2010. It's like, you, you know, you can't, if you kick it out of bounds, you're, and you can kick it from like, all you have to do is get to like the 45 yard line and he has a chance. That's why Taylor to me is a special guy, yeah, man. Taylor, like, Taylor, that was awesome. And Taylor, I, I, I got to hang out with him a couple of times. Super nice dude. Super chill, super down to earth, like just somebody you want to drink a beer with in your backyard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And he'll do it all day. Yeah. David Gilreath returner. Uh, I mean, Brandon Williams is also an amazing returner. Yeah, I mean, I would put Jimmy Leonard back there. Yeah, I already had him as a DB, so I wanted to throw. I, know, I wanted to throw yeah, a bone you, to someone else. I've I've never seen a better player have no fear to catch a punt. Every punt, he was going to catch it and return it. Like he probably fair caught. One out of 10. Like, who does that? That's like a suicide mission. Yep. Yep. And then Adam Bay, long snapper. You never heard his name in four years of long snapping. That's how you know he did a good job. And that's how you know. Yep. Yeah. I'd say um, Matt Couture was pretty good, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But and and uh, four years. Connor Udehoven is, is the other oh, yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. So. You know, it's funny. Like, you don't really care about these guys. You're right. Until they mess up. And then, yeah. But this is listen. You picked a you picked a, a a great bunch of guys, and you also had twenty one year twenty years of almost virtually impossible. You know, I, uh, Brad Norman is punter. We we should mention too. Brad Norman at, at, at punter. Um, Kevin Stemke didn't qualify because he played in the nineties, really, right? Uh, or else it would have been Stemke. But you know, yeah. you know, it. it uh, I just I, I love doing this kind of stuff. We're gonna wrap it up there for the day. Um, <laughs> we'll be back. We'll be back next week. We'll be talking camp first week of camp, and you know, getting oh, man, after you it. Bring back those memories. It's just, uh, you know, like it was an exciting time. I love to go to to camp and like, you know, sharpen all your tools in your tool belt because you knew you were going into a season. But camp, I'll tell you a funny. So my first camp, or maybe my second, it was like 100 degrees. We're practicing because it didn't at this point. It never mattered. Coach Alvarez paused camp for like we were for like two periods. Each period was five minutes. And he brought out ice pops. And we had ice pops for 10 minutes. 
And at this point, you know, everyone's like, well, we get is ice pops. Like, that's it. You know, one year they took us at, at nine o'clock in the morning to see um, Seabiscuit. It's actually a pretty good movie. But for three and a half hours, everyone fell asleep during it. In the AC, it's great. Oh, of course. I'm sure it was wonderful. Yeah. But Ice Pops, I was like, Ice Pops. And we always, we still all joke about like, how worthless were Ice Pops on a 100 degree day for 10 minutes? Like, it was, And you didn't get like two or three. You already had like one. So like, like these stupid Ice Pops. But now looking back, it's something I'll never forget. So of course. <laughs> at the same time, like I, lo- I, I appreciated the Ice Pops. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome well listen matt have a great time in madison uh Thank you. and uh again until next time on wisconsin on wisconsin thank you sir for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.